You're listening to the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen with your hosts, Brent and Jerry. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com backslash love. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. Okay, so here we are. Uh, Another episode of uh, The League. League of uh, Unextraordinary Gentlemen. Exactly. We're in our uh, mobile studios again today, as yep. probably people can hear in the background. Still under construction after, what, almost a year? Yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's we've had, uh, well, this is an elephant in the room. We have had sporadic updates with our uh, episode lately. Yep. Mostly uh, to give excuses. Um, I've been sick. It, me personally have been driving towards a May publication date, mm-hmm. so I've been working feverishly, and I've made significant progress uh, to the point where I actually found a very interested beta reader. He is a guy I, I served with as a cadet in the ROTC, uh, so we've, we've, we're kind of uh, brothers as, as a sense in arms with each other, and, and he's an author himself. He's actually published a book called uh, The Scions of Eden. Check it out by uh, Martin Wright. Good book. It's actually very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's looking, going through mine and chapter by chapter. I sent him three chapters two weeks ago, and he has, and he's still going over them. So I'm, I'm a little afraid. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I've been working. I, I, we were just talking, and I'm going to make a promise to make sure we do this more regularly again. Uh, get back on top of things. Yep. So we can be loyal to our loyal listeners. Exactly. Uh, they still listen, by the way. We still, the people are still downloading the older ones and and listening away. Okay, um, that's good. So we're, we're, today's topics are going to be, one thing we're going to do is probably be more uh, more formal with what we're going to talk about and try okay. to stay more more of that. But we're also going to talk about our format to, uh, offline with each other. and Less mambly rambly. But I like mambly rambly. And it's not that we like it. It's just our default mode. Yeah, right. True. <clears throat> yep. Okay. So anyways, uh, let's, the, since uh, today's podcast is we're going to talk a lot about how we manage our novels software-wise on our computers and maybe even paper shuffle if we've got it. And then we're going to discuss a plot problem that I've been struggling with for like two weeks. And then, but uh, before, let's, uh, let's, let's give Brent some time here and update us on where you are. All right, where I am on The Fairy Door. If I haven't told you, that's the title that's of my a book. T- I was just going to say, Door, I just got the title. All yep. right. The Fairy Door, that's, uh, that's the title of my book. Um, just got the uh, first sketch for my cover, so that has uh, re-inspired me to do even more work. You don't have to get so close. The, the way I'm recording this now has got a bigger level. I'll oh, okay. That out, so. All right. Um, so uh, that re-inspired me, you know, even more. So I uh, did quite a bit of work this weekend. Uh, been pretty slow and steady, putting in half an hour to an hour a day, scheduled, uh, plus my impulse writing. Where, uh, you know, I, I have, it's like, oh, I got half an hour, I can toss off a scene or a paragraph or something. Um, so all in all, I've uh, probably been averaging 60 to 90 minutes a day working on it. Not a huge amount, but it is making progress. Um, I have hit a lot of rewrite stages. There are fewer and fewer scenes that I am discovering that need to be written that haven't been written. Um, I think I've covered... Two-thirds of those, 
So uh, now pretty much everything that's going to happen in the book is down in one form or another. There are still one or two scenes that I think need to happen, but I'm not positive yet. So I have them outlined. And uh, I will eventually write them, but I'm not exactly sure how they're going to come up. And they may never make it into the book. Good, good. You're not working like I put a self-imposed May publication date, so I have something to work for. That's my goal. May, um, May yeah. or May? Okay, yep. end of May. Um, end of May is my goal, and um, that. I mean, it's not set in stone. Um, I'm not going to put out crap at the end of May, um, but I needed to set a target date so I can say. I have to get right. this done. At some point, being self-published, you you have to like say, look, this is this is I'm it's gonna be done here. It's gotta be right because you know the way I looked at it is like I got this far because again, even though we've been doing this podcast for almost a year or well, just over a year, and I was working on a book for like that entire time, I've switched books. Mm-hmm. This book is not even seven months old, right? And there is no reason in the world I've wasted so much time. I have a lot of time. There's no reason why I can't get it done in May. Yep, exactly. And uh, that's what I, you know, that's what I've set for myself. The end of May. Now, if it slips to the end of June, uh, due to external factors, that's fine. But one of the factors that it's not allowed to be is because I didn't put enough time into right. it. Right. Exactly. That's exactly it. Now, right. you know, there are going to be, you know, we've said it before. You're going to get a lot of professionals that say, "Well, you just can't put out crap. That that that, that just doesn't happen." Yeah, but that same professional will tell you you should be doing two to three books a year. Mm-hmm. And you don't do that without self-imposed deadlines, disciplining yourself to get the work done. Right. Like, I think my book's going to be good when it comes out. Um, but, you know, I may discover sometime in, in May that there's two weeks worth of work that need to be done, and that may slip it into June. Yeah. Or uh, getting all the format set may not be the week or two that I'm expecting. It may be a full month. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, never having done it before, you know, that's why I have the flexibility in the schedule. But I am going for the end of May. Yes. Because I'm tired of being a wannabe. Yep, excellent. Um, so let's talk, uh, we'll, we'll follow up the last 10 or 15 minutes of my uh, with my problems. But let's talk about how we manage our books, okay. how we do that process. Now for me, uh, it's Scrivener. I am a Apple kind of guy. I wouldn't call myself a fanboy. Yes, you should. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I don't consider myself because I know Apple fanboys. Mm-hmm. I am more than willing to float to a Windows if it gets better or if it does things I want it to do. More than happy to do that. But right now, Apple scratches my itch and I really enjoy it. Yep. But, you know, I guess that makes me a fanboy. <laughs> but anyways, I have a MacBook. I have a MacBook Air, actually. And I use Scrivener. And that was primarily the reason I went to Macs because uh, Scrivener is the de facto standard for for writing in a lot of cases. Now, there are Windows processes. There are people that actually just go to a town on a Word document. But from what I saw, most authors use Macs and Scrivener. And how I use Scrivener is it's, I probably, if you're not familiar, Scrivener is a very versatile tool. It has more features than you could learn in a year. But I basically uh, break it down by chapter. Each folder is a chapter. And each file within the chapter is a scene. And that's how I work, scene by scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find is, is that as I'm working on a scene, I find out that this is actually two scenes. Or it needs to be broken into two, and then I can move those around within the chapters. So unlike people who use Word, it's one big long document and you have to deal with it that way. Right. 
or do a lot of tabbing, cutting, pasting, moving around. With Scrivener, you can literally highlight a selection of text. Instead of copy and pasting, right-click and go make a new selection. It'll turn it into a new, I guess, document would be the word for it mm -hmm. within whatever folder or subfolder you're working in. Uh, so I manage that way, and then I can recombine them back if I feel, ah, that the organization's not right, I can do it. But what that helps with is flow, is your pacing. You can see as you're reading this, and then one chapter is like 40 pages long, and while, I guess, theoretically it's a chapter, it's daunting to have a 40-page chapter and a 10-page chapter. You want to break that up. Give the right. reader, make it look like it's more episodic to the reader. Um, then in addition, I create a section. Now, the, the good thing about Scrivener is that it tracks all that as one manuscript. So it'll track your word count total. It'll count what you did today. It'll, you can also set a goal for yourself for the day, and it'll track where you are with that goal. Yep. So for you NaNoWriMo folks that aren't familiar, you can set a personal goal that day, and it'll track you Excuse me on how well you're doing. Yep. So in amongst that, within the same window, you can create folders to, for orphan scenes, things you, that don't work, but you did all that time writing, so you don't have to delete it. You just drop it in there and keep it for later. And you can create another folder. Uh, and I'm calling them folders, but that's not an accurate look. But you can uh, create another folder for research, notes, character descriptions, all those things that authors do a prep work before an, a, a book or sometimes during the book. I try to stay away from research when I'm deep into the writing aspect like I am now because I'll just follow the rabbit hole of information. And that's basically what I do. I don't use, there's a corkboard feature to it. I don't understand it, so I don't use it. There's also a comments and notes section. The thing I don't like about that is that uh, the notes I can only see, I don't know, I just don't like the way it works. It's kind of clunky for me. I'll probably change my mind later, but I don't use the comments so that as I'm reading a chapter, oh, I gotta make a note because I gotta change something here. I don't like the way it works. Mm -hmm. But again, that's personal because I don't have to use it at all and that's the beautiful thing about Scrivener if you don't like a feature don't use it don't don't even look at it anymore yep well I use Scrivener for Windows uh, which is a mostly full subset of Scrivener for the Mac um, there's some features I think that are missing still um, but uh, I started it with NaNoWriMo and it was uh, the beta version <laughs> and finally 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 they took my $40 and gave me a regular version and uh, so happy about that because uh, Scrivener for Windows was a, a big benefit for me, because writing in Word uh, did not fit it's my just daunting. style. It yeah. really is daunting. Yeah. Um, I always had a big trouble of picking up where I left off, as opposed yeah. to just going ahead to something else. Now, the way that I set up the fairy door was a series of scenes, and I didn't really have chapters, but I did have... I guess you want to call them themes, like, you know, this is uh, introductions. So I had uh, a folder that I called introductions, and this was where all the people were pretty much introduced scene by scene. You know, this is the first time this person's appeared, this is the first time this person's appeared. Then it was like, you know, here is where, you know, I start setting the scene. You know, here's where you discover what the plot is that's going on. Uh, that was like a second one. So basically I had four chapters as far as that goes, but they were just, you know, beginning, ramp up middle, action middle, and end. Right. Um, so with that going on, 
um, I ended up with lots and lots of scenes and no chapters. So then I had to go through and redo chapters because I pretty much just had an unending chronological set of scenes. Um, and I used the corkboard a lot for rearranging those scenes. Because um, with the corkboard feature, um, you can put a summary of a chapter right on you know the, the little corkboard card. Now I want to argue that a little bit. You're, you're right. It looks just like a corkboard with uh, three by five index cards on it. Yep. And I totally get with that. That'd be really cool. What I don't really like about it is that I have to spend time writing a summary in there. Now, see, those summaries were generally for me written before the scene. Really? Yep. And then sometimes I went through, and after writing a scene, I changed that summary because. Uh, it wasn't so much a summary as one or two sentences that say what the scene's about. And if I couldn't get what the scene was about in one or two sentences, chances are that scene was in desperate need of rewriting. Huh. Interesting. Because the way I view it is a completely different concept is that uh, those cards were, like you said, to organize my scenes, to organize my book, and I would really like to do that. But I don't want to spend the time to have to put a summary in there. I feel like I, I really feel like I'm spending more time on organization than I am on time on, on, on structuring my book so I can write it better and helping me manage it. Yeah, well, see, I wrote those those summaries, those those notes before the scenes in most cases. So if I said, uh, you know, uh, Sapphire is attacked in the library. That was, you know, uh, a clue that, you know, Sapphire's going to have a fight in the library. So, you know, now it is, uh, you know, Sapphire and Mitzi defeat the shadows in the library. Or Shafo teams up with the Dryad. Brilliant. Because I yeah. do it. See, this is what's beautiful at Scrivener. It works however you mm -hmm. want it, how you're thinking. Because in the other view, we have the, the files along the side. Right. Or the folders in the files. I'll call each of my documents scene. So, like, chapter one will have scene one, two, three, and four. And I probably will put a summary in there that says, Eric goes running. The FBI begins an investigation. This or that. And that's how I'll move around. Same thing as you. Right. And I'm probably, arguably, you could say I'm spending just as much time putting it in the file name like that. Yeah. Huh. I, I just put it on the, the corkboard because it's easier for me and to I, see. And I find the corkboard more clunky because, oh, that's it. That just shows the power of Scrivener. Yeah. That it works for how you want it to organize it. Yeah. So for me, looking at those summaries, I was able to tweak things around, pull stuff from... Because it shows a, chap a chapter at a, si mm -hmm. uh, a time. So that let me organize a chapter once I started moving into chapters. Now, the sidebar view, that was where I organized my chapters. That was where I, that's where I move uh, using those same descriptions, um, but usually just you know the first sentence of it. That's where I move stuff from chapter to chapter, saying, no, this needs to go back over here. Right. Especially now, because the fairy door is or, uh, organized in, uh, what did we decide the official name was? Third person subjective? Yeah. Or yeah. no, third objective. person. Not objective. Third person. Limited. Limited. Yeah, third, third person, person limited. limited. <laughs> so each chapter is now from a, uh, a character's viewpoint. Uh, there may be very very much Jar or Martinish. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. He didn't invent the style. It's just right. He's the he one everyone's going to think thing. about. Yeah, um, and uh, that seemed to work best for me. So I wasn't, you know, spinning around inside multiple people's heads uh, every few pages. You know, you get to st stick in one person's head for a few. 
But when I was uh, reorganizing things, that meant some things had to be pulled out of a chapter and put into another chapter. Right. Um, which is where I ended up using the sidebar, where I had a view of the entire manuscript. Right, yeah. Generally, I wasn't going more than a chapter in either direction, um, but uh, that let me move outside the chapters. Interesting. Yeah. So let's pay some bills. Sure. Or try to, in any case. So uh, for listeners of the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen, you know that uh, we partner with Audible.com, uh, the maker of, of a lot of audiobooks. Um, and for you listeners of the podcast, Audible is offering a free audio book download with a 30-day trial just for checking out their service. Now, uh, what that means is you'll sign up and you'll get a free book downloaded immediately, and you get to keep the book if you don't like their service. But like I have said numerous times, and I think Brent is starting to see the light too, you, you will wonder how you did without it. I looked it up, and I, I was a, I've been a member since, like, 2007, um, and I haven't looked back. I have now something like over 85 audiobooks. Now, uh, so to give a recommendation, that's kind of what we do. Uh, do you want to give a recommendation, or do you want me to follow through with one? Uh, why don't you go ahead, because my recommend, the only audiobooks I have so far are all in the Enderverse from Ender's Game. That's fine. All right. Well, I'm now work. You know, I worked through Ender's Game. That was a great one. I already recommended that one. Speaker for the Dead uh, is ap- uh, every bit as compelling. Uh, the uh, there's a lot of uh, Portuguese names in it, and somehow the voice actors manage to give you clear, precise English with the hint of a Portuguese accent. So and this is a multicast. There's multiple oh, yeah. actors. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Just, uh, just like the anniversary version of Ender's Game. So uh, it's an uh, audio same drama. Actors, too. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it's it's very good that way. Um, it, it's, uh, it's compelling with the multicast. You get the, the different voices. Sometimes you get different characters with different voices in the same chapter, but sometimes you'll get the same characters with different voices. Like, uh, it'll be a chapter that's done by the female vocalist, but it will be talking about Ender and what Ender's thinking. Um, And then uh, there'll be another chapter where it's talking about, like, uh, Ender's sister, Valentine, and it'll be with the the male narrator at that time. Right. so uh, it, it's very compelling that way. It's very immersive, uh, a lot more than I ever imagined when uh, I first started the trial. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it does. a lot of people would think that it takes away from reading books. To me, it doesn't. No, it's a, it's a separate thing. Now, mind you, I'm not sure that I want to read the books you know, in, in paper or electronic form after having listened to them. And I don't know that there's a need to since all the books are unabridged. I'm not missing anything. Right. I'm not missing any words or anything. Well, I'll tell you, this is, this is where it's come to me, where I'll, uh, many, many cases, well, actually, I don't know of any case where I don't have the audiobook and an electronic version of the book. Mm. I might not have the physical book, unless I really, really, really like the author and the book itself and I want to support him, then I'll buy all three versions. But what I've found that uh, as I'm listening to the audiobook, uh, one, I'm like you started to realize, I start to look for opportunities to listen more. Like, I'm, hey, honey, I'll do the dishes, pop on my headphones, and I'll start re- listening. But also, if the, if the amount that I get to listen to in the day 
is too slow for me. It's in a, I really want to know what's going on. The action's too good. Then I whip out that electronic book and I start reading. Mm-hmm. And I and there have been times where I've gotten three two thirds of the way through a book, audio wise, and then I'm like, nope, can't wait any longer. I'm staying up all night and finishing it. And I'll just download the book and finish it up in a, five more hours that night. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's set to the point now where I'm starting to consider, hmm, who could I get to read the fairy door? <laughs> exactly right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, like we said before, the audio format's just like uh, another one, and without having to, well, probably shouldn't talk about going against Audible.com, but getting somebody to read it and you post it up for free, mm-hmm. or post it up for a minimal charge. Excuse me for people to download. Yep, or it's just another having a, having chapter one be read, and if you want to read more, buy the book. Yeah, that would work too. But uh, anyways, for for you listeners of, of uh, the league, and you, you kind of like Speaker of the Dead, and you want to hear it in a multicast, uh, uh, almost as an audio drama, you can download the free, your free audio book by going to audibletrial.com backslash lug. That's audibletrial.com backslash lug. And uh, go ahead and download your first book for free. I guarantee you'll, you'll stick with it. Uh, what happens after that is that you'll get one free credit every month or two. If there's a, a graduated scale, you can pay for one credit a month or two credits a month or just the lump sum of all your credits up front for the year. And uh, you just you just download a book and you get to keep the books. And uh, even still, if you've run out of credits and you want to, you can't wait and you got to buy that one book that you saw, uh, all Audible.com members get a 30% discount to all their inventory, mm-hmm. uh, which is something like over 100,000 books. There's mm-hmm. no one out there with a bigger collection. In fact, on iTunes, most of the audiobooks you buy through iTunes are from Audible. Right. So if you're paying 30 40 bucks for an Audible book, audiobook through that, you're a sucker. Just go to Audible.com and get it right from the source. Yep. Uh, other than that, let's... Uh, Let's switch to my plot problem that I have discovered. I think I have, and I'm okay. not sure that I do. Okay, I, I've come to terms with the fact that I am now a thriller writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's mil- military thriller, spy, or high-tech is the question, but I think that's irrelevant. It's a thriller. Yeah. Um, now, most thrillers have big problems, like space opera problems, where a missile is going to... Hit Washington D.C. Yep. The My, smallest problem you ever run into in a thriller is like a briefcase nuke. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so mine, I don't know if I have. My problem is big enough. I I think it is. I think the theft of military technology is a big deal. But I don't know. I, I'm struggling now, having read a couple books. Like uh, Dalton Fury's got a new book. Uh, he's a uh, Dalton Fury is the pseudonym for a former Delta Force uh, operator, literally Delta Force. He was the guy in charge of the first uh, couple years of hunting down bin Laden. Uh, of course, he failed, and SEAL Team 6, unfortunately, because I'm Army, picked up the ball and took him out. But anyways, D- Dalton Fury has decided to become a, a fiction writer, mm-hmm. and he wrote a book called Black Sight based on Delta operations and his Knowledge. I mean, he's got to play a, a classified game, what he can tell, what he can't. But the action is brilliant. The book is awesome. Mm-hmm. And as I began to go back and look through other authors and, and kind of evaluate me against them, their problems are huge. You know, they're sometimes absurd, uh, granted. Right. I mean, I've been in the military, and operations aren't nearly as exciting as they make it look like on TV. No, of course um, not. 
So that's why we have fiction. Right. So, I mean, is my problem big enough? And I don't want to reveal too much here to our audience who may eventually read my book and get spoiled. But based on what you know, should I somehow rework my story a little so that my problem is bigger than just the theft of defense technology and then my hero trying to redeem himself? Well, that's a, you know, that's a defense technology is a, a broad category. Um, I would just make it specific to something, you know, that's 10, 15, 20 years ahead of what we're looking at now and make it a huge thing, you know, something that's 20, 30 years ahead of, of, of uh, where the antagonists are so that they're getting a huge jump. Like they're stealing something that we're not even really ready for yet. Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean, they've stolen, you know, a hunk. They're stealing this hunk. You know, that's what the whole story is about. You know, you want to make it bigger, make it urgent, just make that hunk more important. And my wife had a, my wife is smarter than I give her credit for, which bugs me sometimes. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, you, you can't evaluate her intelligence on her choice to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> but I talked to her last night about this, and she said, what I should do is finish the book as is. Mm-hmm. And if I still feel that way, I should go back and layer this, that part of the story on top. She says, clearly, this is the this is the story you're trying to tell. The big story, the the big bang, the, oh, my gosh, the world's going to blow up if, if my hero doesn't accomplish his mission, is really the window dressing. Right. Like, um, you know, the, the New Hope was all about some plans being stolen. We didn't realize what those plans were until the end. It's like, you know, and, 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 well, and, until the, the Death Star scene. What we also didn't realize is that the story was about... Uh, Luke and his journey to be a Jedi. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could make the these plans. It's like we don't really know what they are. We just know that everybody thinks they're really important. And then, you know, book two is exploring, you know, now that the, the idea that the plans are out, maybe they were never stolen. But before that, nobody even knew that this was possible and existed. You know, so whatever the plans were about, this defense technology... It's a big game changer, which you can explore in like a Oh, well, book. you just added a new twist to it. Because I was using it as just standard espionage stuff. They were passing classified data over to the enemy. Well, sure, but they didn't know what they had. Huh. That is actually an interesting... Because right, this is where I was going. Uh, there has been a rash of counterfeit electronics made its way into defense... Uh, uh, vehicles and so forth. Right, yeah. And counterfeit from China. Yeah, we've, we've read all those stories. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, it's even on the news. If you do yeah. research, it's never hit mainstream news, but if you look, there's enough articles out there. Yeah. And I thought that, well, okay, so what if this uh, counterfeit stuff is being stolen so they can mass produce counterfeit electronics and infiltrate our supply system so our equipment is not performing as well? Right. That's pretty big. Yeah, or even a backdoor, you know, the, the, the uh, worst case, you know, they have a, a, a button that can shut our stuff down. Right. That we aren't aware of. Right. But now you're saying another aspect of this could be is like, well, they're stealing technology, and either A, they don't realize what they're stealing, but they're putting their, they'll figure out that we've got something big on the burners, or B, they're stealing technology, and it looks random, and it looks kind of like whatever, but then my hero puts it together and realizes there's some, something much bigger on the horizon. Right. Some, uh, some secret agency, you know, um, well, that's like all our agencies now, but... You know, one of those agencies is actually concealing 
um, their huge project by farming out bits and pieces. Stargate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's you know there's bits and pieces of it. So uh, they've stolen two pieces from two different places. One, you know, just these import, you know, unimportant little chips, perhaps. Right. And you know, um, but now you know, uh, your hero says it's like, oh, hey, look, these chips have something. Why, you know, why are they now going for chip number three? And then he sees that they have a, a common design element, even though they're totally separate as far as uh, our side can see in appropriations, who works on it, and et cetera. Yeah, right. Because that's that's how the SR seventy one Blackbird was built, and some things, some black projects are done. They they break up the the for our listeners. I I do defense work for the government, so I know how the budgeting process works. They break out the budget because mm-hmm. our budget is public information and it's posted online. And right. our enemies, we know this for a fact. Our enemies pull it down to see what we're paying for. Say yeah. how many tanks we're going to buy that year, how many bullets we're buying. And, but what these guys do is they break this out so. You know, it looks like we have 15 R&D programs going on each at a tune of like $40 million. What's not realized is that that's one R&D project for like $400 million. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe part of it's the Army, part of it's the Navy. Uh, NASA's doing, you know, what ends up, you know, the, the their study ends up being um, the antenna for this thing, you know. Uh, so... Yeah, you know, you could have uh, you know just chip design stolen, and then nobody, you know, nobody that your hero is aware of knows that there's uh, that they're all in common, and but somebody over on the other side now has an idea. Right. I've got some more brain work to do. Yeah. A little bit doesn't change too much, but it changes the ending significantly. Uh, well, that's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me for help. That's <laughs> and you, what gave you get it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, good idea, though. I, I, I do have some work. Um, well, uh, wow, that, that came in, any, that'll come in exactly on time. We'll come in in about 30 minutes. Yeah, see, we need to be more consistent like that. Yeah, speed, rapid, get, the, get it done, get it to the end. Yep. Instead of uh, our rambling sessions. Yep. But, uh, so, I'm Jerry. Thanks for listening to the League of Run Extraordinary Gentlemen. And I'm Brent, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen. 